0: Hey, yeah, let's go. You're fucking up my mojo here. It's bad enough you had an emergency tire appointment. Don't don't hold me up any more than you already have.
1: Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. I've been waiting for you all morning.
0: <laughs> so I know you have a list of things that you want to talk about.
1: Yeah, you could say it's a little bit of a
0: list. Okay, so you got a little list. Yeah. I have one thing I want to bring up with you first. And I don't I don't know even know if I want to talk about this. But I'm going to. Um so yesterday I was forwarded a tweet. Um an agent sent out yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, but so the agent said, and I mean I don't really want to mention the agent's name, but it doesn't really matter. Uh talked yesterday with a well known NHL enforcer from the 90s. He mentioned that almost all of his fellow enforcers from his era are either struggling with their day to day quality of life or they're dead. I asked if he thinks about his own health, and his response was every single day. So that's coming from someone. Now, I don't even know if that conversation. Mm was real or really happened because I do feel like people have a tendency on Twitter to make up conversations that they overhear and then post them as they say, overheard in the airport or overheard in line at this and it's nonsense. So then when you say spoke with a former enforcer from, I mean, this guy could have gone back, looked at all the enforcers and said, uh, Oh, this guy's dead. This guy's dead. This guy's dead. And then assumed that they're all struggling with their um, quality of life. So, I don't know how factual that is. So let me ask you this. You weren't
1: in the nineties. You didn't play in the nineties, but you played in, in the two thousands, um, mid two thousands. And, uh, what are your thoughts? Because I, I know of, of many players in that role that have, that are either past, passed on or are struggling and it is true it is true
0: and there's even some from my generation so it's not just uh players from the 90s i mean i know of many players that did what i did that are struggling with their quality of life not because um i'm guessing but because i've spoken to them i've spoken to guys that did what i did so I know what guys are dealing with. You know what the biggest thing is for me too, because when I when I, I don't like talking about this for the simple fact that I already feel like a walking fucking billboard.
1: Why I mean, that? what do I, you mean? I,
0: I just feel like anyone who meets me or knows that I played in the NHL and knows what my role was in the NHL just automatically categorizes. And I don't know that that's insecurity that, that comes from, it's, it's insecurity that comes from the reality of what guys like me are dealing with. So it's not like these people are wrong for thinking that way. It's just, it sucks that that's, that's how you're kind of like viewed as a former athlete, you know, and you sit there and you kind of like, 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 you know, we, we I think
1: it bothers you because I don't think that you liked your role. I don't think that you liked what you did. I don't know how many guys did.
0: How many of these guys I that I think are there dead? are guys that did. I think there are I, I think there are two, right? I think there are two. But but would I've you say a vast guys, majority of us and I can need to throw you in there too. You may not have fought as much, but you fought, you played a hard game. And do you think a vast majority of us are are like loved it? No, we just did it, I think. Because that was our that was our entry into the league, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, again you know putting me in this category i think would be would be wrong in the sense that i think the roles that were that that many players were put in were back you know 20 25 years ago was you played 3 minutes a night you basically got about 3 shifts and one of those shifts You were in a gladiator mode against another man that was equally as big. And when I say big, we're talking 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", that weigh anywhere from 225 to 260. And a lot of those players back in the early 2000s, did not train in the summertime on their skill set. They did not go out with stick handling coaches or skating coaches. They ultimately went to the gym and they beat the shit out of a heavy bag and they pumped weights to make themselves insanely powerful and strong, understanding that they only were there to play three minutes a night. And on top of that, you had to go out and fight on skates, another man that literally could hurt you just as bad as you could hurt him if a shot was landed. That to me is not a fun job. It's not a fun way of, of, of uh, going about playing the game that you've played your entire life as a child and loving it. That is not hockey. Do you want to know the most messed up part
0: about it? Is Do you know what the hardest part about it was? it wasn't even the fighting. It wasn't even the bell ringing. It, like and when I say bell ringing, it's not like the ding, ding, you know, here we go. I mean, like the headshots and getting your bell rung. Um, maybe not even, which would be considered a concussion today, but back then it was just known as an old fashioned bell ringing, right? And yeah. the, but the hardest part was not even the fight itself. I couldn't wait for the fight because then it was almost over. And what was almost over was, the psychology and the mental fatigue
1: that goes into the buildup of these fights. And why is that? Because you know that you can get extremely hurt. Um, it would well, have to my be my first my because- because- first couple of years. If you go back and watch fights from my first
0: couple of years, I was a very different fighter than my third, fourth, and fifth. And did I play five or six years? I think I played six years. Six years, five in Buffalo, one in New Jersey. Um, My fights were very different because I I learned early on. I was just I was fighting and I was so full of piss and vinegar because I was excited to be there. I'm in the NHL, fucking highlight reels. Like it was like let's let's fucking go. I want to be a
1: gunslinger. And did you care? Did you care when you were a rookie coming into the league? Did you care? Like you fought, like you wanted to literally murder every single man that you fought against, and did you care about getting hit or knocked out or, Not or a, injured? give a shit because that's, I mean, I, I could be that's sent what down, I'm talking about. I could be sent down tomorrow. But but even if here's I, the thing, no one knew who Andrew Peters was. No one give a shit who Andrew Peters was when you were a rookie, and when you have a mindset as a fighter, and coming into the league, where you're literally wanting to hurt every single man that you fight. You were a wild stallion. Wild stallions are very, very dangerous. Okay. I was definitely more dangerous my first and second year. By my third
0: year, it was starting to fade. But the, the you know, like you, the punches you were, were starting, starting to, to fade.
1: hurt. You were starting to fade. But the aura around Andrew Peters and the Buffalo Sabres as an enforcer hadn't faded. You were well known around the league. How many fights did you have in your first year
0: i I know this I played forty two games and I had like twenty three or twenty four fights <laughs> in, i mean in, in forty three games I had twenty I think it was twenty four fights
1: and loving every minute of it and then by well, year three, everybody knows who Andrew Peters is, and there's a stigma. Every that goes fight along. was a party
0: my rookie year,
1: yeah. Every
0: fight was a party. Every fight meant maybe one more day in the show. Yeah.
1: And, f- and having fun doing it, but things change when you start getting hit by massive, massive men. Here's the thing. When you play junior hockey, what happened? What happened when you played junior hockey? You skated around. You beat the absolute tar out of most of the guys you fought against because they were not at your weight class, and you could literally do anything you wanted because you were literally the heavyweight of the OHL. Uh, there were there were
0: only a few. Yeah, there was John Erskine might have been the only other guy. Okay, John Erskine's
1: a tough guy. No question super, about he, it. No, no, no. Super he was guy. he was the man in in, in
0: the OHL. He was okay. the man. Okay,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I mean, I'm certainly as tough as nails, as tough as they come. But what I'm trying to say is, in the OHL, there was no fear. You didn't have any fear. You didn't wake up. You didn't. You didn't drive to Oshawa. Or, where'd you play, Oshawa?
0: Oh, two you years play. in Oshawa, a year in Kingston.
1: Okay, so you you didn't go to Kingston or you didn't go to Owen Sound or or, or a place like that and worry about the heavyweight that was on that team because you were the heavyweight. You were like the swinging dick into the OHL, but things change when you go to pro. When you came to pro at age 20, you walked on You wanted to fight Rob Ray right away, and you thought it was the greatest thing in the history of fighting and the history of hockey is going around being a second-round draft pick because you did have skills, okay? You got picked as a second-rounder because you could skate, you could shoot, you could pass, but you were a big man. Here's the thing. By year three, the fun was over because now you had a name. Now you had to live up to your name every single night against guys who are now 20 and 21, 22 that wanted to take you off the pedestal.
0: The hunger is so different. You're right. The hunger is so different.
1: And it was always the younger guys
0: that I had a problem with, like the Riley Cote's because they were so hungry. Like Riley Cote was like a fucking bulldog. Cam Jansen, just all these guys. And they're not even, (laughs) they're not even that big. They just yeah. wanted, they just wanted to go and they, and I feel like they kind of loved it, but it makes, yeah. it makes me look back and think like all these guys, like Rob Ray, Rob Ray, Ty Domi, Tony twist. These guys are only, they're not even six feet tall. Ty's tiny. He's the all-time fight leader in the NHL. I say tiny, but he's five, nine compared to guys like me that he was, he was knocking out like razors, six feet, maybe on a good day with his running shoes yep. on like yep you know and he was knocking out guys my size and he they did it for 10 plus years that is the part
1: 900 games for got, Robert Ray you got to understand something and guys was, hunting him for years oh,
0: i was 6 years in the league and i understand the wear that it took on me not even physically but mentally so when i say that That these guys to be able to do it for that long, that is a different type of human being. Because when
1: I quit, I think it's the pre- it's the appreciation for what they what they did hundred and for how long they did it. And thinking about Rob Ray coming into the league, literally wanting to tear people's faces off. His first full full year in the NHL, he had three hundred and fifty penalty minutes. His, his I guess it would have been his second year. um, His third year in the league, he had 354 penalty minutes. These guys now are making a statement, right? But then you have to carry that for the next, what, 15 years or whatever. He played, like Rob really played 15, 14 years, 14 years in the NHL, 15 years in the NHL. And his job, he knew his job. Ty Domi played over a thousand games in the NHL. Knew his job from the day he stepped in playing for the Winnipeg Jets and literally wanted to fight like a bulldog to the death against every guy that was six inches taller and, and outweighed him by, you know, 30, 40 pounds. You want to hear a cool Ty Domi story? It's my very first ever
0: exhibition game in Toronto. Exhibition game, period. It was in Toronto. Domi's playing. And there was Doug Duell was in the lineup too. I don't know if you remember Dougie Duell. He was a tough guy. Yes, in the I majors. know. Played some time. Played the for NHL. Belleville Bulls. Yeah, very, very tough. Not big either. Not a big guy. So. What do you think is a big
1: guy? He was like 6'2", 250 I don't think pounds. he
0: was two. I think he might have been like 6'6", 6'1". Look him up. But anyway, so I think I think like Doug Duell's in the lineup. Uh, Domi's in the lineup. And, you know, I'm out there and I'm like, I, I'll i fight Doug Duel any day of the week i'm just coming off a year where i led the american league in penalty minutes and i had you know 32 major fighting majors so i mean doug duel is is not the guy that i want to fight but i'll fight him just to have a fight you know what i mean so i went right to ty Domi. there's a scrum in the corner whistle blows and i go up and i give him a push i give him a push in the chest and number one first thing i thought of i couldn't believe how short he was but I couldn't believe how wide he was in person and how baggy his jersey was. I said I said, you know, I, can you give me a shot? And he looked at me up and down and he goes, "Make the league, kid." I was like, "All right, fuck, I'm not going to pursue this because out of respect, right?" So I'm like, "All right, fuck, I'm going to fight Doug Duel next shift." That was my initial thought as I'm skating back to the bench, start preparing for Doug Duel. So, I end up fighting Doug Duell. but what I remember thinking too, after the game was, God, I would love to be in the league and get to a point where I could tell a young, tough kid to fuck off because I have nothing to prove to you right now. I'm already in the league. I'm not, I don't need to, I don't need to fight you to prove myself. What a spot
1: to be in. By the way, it was six, two, two 216. One pound off. He's a big man. I guess
0: when you're six four, 240, that's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> Were you gonna finish a point there? Because I don't nope, no, I'm AD, it, I'm ADD, so I can't wait. To no, tell it's you
1: this. I'm 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 on. You're making me ADD. Like that's why we bounce around like a tennis ball. But <laughs> you know no, what? I, I I will just say, you respect those guys for what they've done. But going back to the, the the topic of why we were talking about this and enforcers in the late nineties and even early two thousands that are struggling, struggling after the game, not only um physically, mentally, um, a lot of those a lot of those guys have passed away. And I hope those guys can uh, can find some help if yes. they are struggling, yes. you know, physically and mentally. Okay, hey, Riv, this is you and your list. Fire away. Well, it's not really a list, but, uh, there's, there's a few things that I wanted to kind of go over and, you know, the first thing I wanted to do is talk about, obviously the Stanley cup finals and, and game three, going back to Florida, Florida has been pretty strong at home. Um, you know, for me, I just, I feel really, I, I feel the confidence from Vegas Golden Knights right now is at a pinnacle. And I think for the Florida Panthers, they got spanked around in Vegas so bad that something's got to change. The style that Florida's playing, they're playing the bully. Okay. They were able to bully Toronto and they were able to bully Carolina. They got lucky as all shit against Boston. Okay. Coming back from a 3 1 deficit but they're 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 trying to play the bully card the problem is vegas is not taking the bait and they're not getting into the uh that junkyard dog match that matthew kachuk wants and they've got to do yeah. something to change and so what do you first think first and foremost I think there's got to be a transition in the game. I still think that Florida needs to be physical, but I think they need to start playing some hockey. They need to start, you know, owning the puck and, and trying to add a little bit more offense. Cause when you're adding offense, it means that you're not defending all the time and there needs to be a change. I think there's one, I have one
0: fear about, um, Florida. And I didn't want to get into it yesterday with you and Jeremy, because you made a comment. Uh, actually he might've made a comment. One of you guys made a comment and the other one disagreed with it. And it was about, you know, Bob Rofsky not playing well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was you or him, but all I'll say is that white cloud shot from the point. Yep. I think in, and yep. I think that really messed with him because that is one that he Not going to say wanted back, but that's one that he knows he should have had and would have had in the last series, last couple series that he's played in. And I think that one, if you look at his body language, he was just kind of like, fuck, how did that? He wasn't letting shots like that in before. I think he's cooled off, man. I think Um, he's cooled off. And I think, and I, and I, did you see the look on his face when he got pulled? I mean, obviously you're pulling him because you want to give him as much rest as you, you can before game three. Yes. Whether it's a period or not, there's no reason to even leave him in there to get shelled.
1: But if you look at his body language, I think he's wondering if the magic is gone. Well, listen. I mean, this this uh, I am going to say this flat out. This is not on Bobrovsky. It's not on Bob. Okay. Well, it you, might not you be on Bob. One, it you might, might not be on Bob.
0: It might not be on Bob. But the fact of the matter is, is that he was making saves. In those series before that, bailed his team out. And if he's, yeah. if he's, they are severely exposed when he's letting goals in.
1: Well, the he sem- made I mean, saves. He made saves that he could see. And then his superior goaltending skill set that came out, he was able to make saves that were jaw dropping. But the, here's the thing. Goaltenders cannot save what they cannot see. Do you understand? Bobrovsky was making saves, and in, in 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 the other series, he saw them. He was able to see them, react, and make world class saves. And that's why we were talking well, about Bobrovsky being in a con cons- Smythe.
0: Ten million, and you're going to million dollars. You know what? Find the fucking
1: puck. He can't find the puck because the guys, these guys are the standing in front He's of him. Right,
0: is he a right handed shot, White Cloud? Or yes, he's walking the line, walking the line. He's not going to shoot it at the players standing on Bob Rowski's one side of him. So why like find
1: the other side of the fucking net, find the puck. That goal that was scored was brilliant. Number one, you had, you had white cloud who is not typically known for his offense. Takes the puck from the right-hand side and starts dragging it backwards across to the middle of the ice. And as he gets to the middle of the ice, Bobrovsky is trying to track the puck. The problem is he's got a guy who's six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds, standing in front of him, and he can't see the puck. So he's looking around the player. The problem is he picked the wrong side. White Cloud shot against the grain. He went to the other yeah, side and to shot, the shot side. to the other side, and that's not on Bobrovsky. That's on you. You've got to either have someone block the shot okay, or you need to move the guy out who's in front of the net screening Bob Rosky because he can't see it he's trying to look around these guys, but these guys are placing shots and I mean I don't I don't look at Bob Rosky at all for him being in this situation of of being down and had goals scored against him the team has not played well in front of him. they are in the box half the time because they're trying to be the tough guys, the idiots you know, you can't have this. You look at you look at the one of the goals that was scored in the last game. How was it? How was it? it? It was uh um, Lomberg. You know, Lomberg's trying to be the bully, trying to be the tough guy. He ends up cross-checking a guy in the head right by the bench. They're in the box. Boom, it's in the net.
0: Riv, I'm Is watching game this. Game? I'm watching this shot from White Cloud from... From it's a behind the net angle, and he's just about to release the puck. The only player in front of him is Duclair. I mean, it may—I don't know—maybe,
1: maybe he thought Duclair was going to block that. I don't know, but but is he looking? Where's he looking? If he's—is he looking around Duclair?
0: Um, he's kind of looking over his right shoulder, and there's another player kind of out at White Cloud, and White Cloud's is about to shoot it through a screen, but. I mean, he can see that he's winding up, like he's not, he's not in a, he's white cloud is literally in a shot position. And Bob Rowski standing straight up looking at him and he keeps, keeps drifting a little to the right. He, and then he, and the shot goes to the other side. He's got to fucking have that. And then his body language after he knew he, he fucking knew. And I, and then last game, I just, he looks cooked. He looks well, do you cooked. think
1: fatigue's setting in for Bob Roski? Uh, no. With uh, how maybe. many games being played in a short period of time? Well, the, the talk
0: of the weight loss and everything, too, that he goes through on a game-to-game basis.
1: Maybe he's just fried. Okay. Well. You know, he, he, he won them the Boston series. He won them the Toronto series. I still he, think. He won, the, he won them the Carolina series with help from Matthew Kuchuk and, and and the other players that played very well for Florida. But Bob Roski is the reason why, one of the reasons why they're in the Stanley Cup. Well. Finals. Um, uh,
0: this might not be a, this isn't like a,
1: a, a bold
0: take, but it's, I'm confident in the fact that if, if Florida doesn't win tonight, it's over in four, period. And like, I, I don't think they win game four. If they don't win tonight, the series, I think Vegas still wins, but I think they can actually make it a series. I think they can push it to six games. I'm not gonna say seven.
1: Florida wins tonight. This is a
0: wide open. This it's is not. a wide open series. If they win tonight, it'll be by fluke. I'm dead serious. It'll be because someone has a hot night up front and Bob Rofsky makes the saves that he's supposed to make. That's that's it. It I just don't see it. They fucking have been outplayed. By far, and Florida has thrown everything they have at them. Everything. The way they won those series, like you said, they can't they can't they can't get to Vegas that way. It's as good as over,
1: in my opinion. And I picked Florida. I understand that. But if Florida wins tonight, you you have yourself a series. If Vegas wins tonight, Vegas has just won their first Stanley Cup. Because there's no way that you're going to have Vegas or 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 Florida come back and win four straight against against this team. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't think it's ever happened in NHL history. Something that we're probably going to have to look up. Um, The people are our listeners, freaking brilliant at this stuff. But uh, this this is a big night. This is a big night. And and I think the I think the overall. You know, listen, Rocco Gutis. Got smoked by uh, Barbashev. Hit his head off the ice. Did not come back to the game. Only played two minutes. Uh, two, a little more than two minutes in that game. It's a massive loss to have Rakogudis Gudis out of your lineup. And here's the thing. He was concussed. That is the reason why he did not come back to the game. But explain to me. Explain to me right now how Rakugudis is going to be back in the lineup three days later. Uh, Because like we talked about at the start
0: of the show, nobody gives a flying fuck about the health of this player. And this player probably does not have the capability to think clearly enough for himself and make the best decision for his long-term health. So what we should do is just say, fuck it all and let him play. Because at the end of the day, let's just assume his brain's a fucking squash anyway. So who really gives a fuck? Let's go win. Let's go try to win a cup. Yeah, it's absolutely. Look, I get it. I get it. Guys, back in the day, used to play through this shit. They wouldn't have even left the game. But I thought that's the whole point about player safety. I thought that's the whole point. Isn't
1: player safety? Well, I guess if you have a concussion, you have a con- clear. He's clearly. RJ UMBERGER concussed.
0: played four or five days after Brian Campbell murdered him too. So, okay. So anyway, go ahead with what you're saying.
1: I was just going to say like how long when you have, when you sustain a concussion, how long before you can go back?
0: Well, I thought it was symptom free before you can start exercising or, and you're out for at least a week with being monitored. That's what I thought protocol should be. And
1: even then, I don't feel well. What is the protocol in the in the NHL right now? I remember getting knocked many fi- out. In how, fingers, game how many fingers? How many fingers am I? How many fingers am I holding up? Okay, he's good to play. Not now, not in today's game.
0: If Radko Gudis is playing, then yes, he's obviously showing. He's obviously beating some t- t- kind
1: of test. I again. When you Black look at a to, concussion, I was able to drive home from airport, so I good. I guess when you look at a concussion, you sustain it on a Monday night, and you fly home, and, and now you're in a situation where you have Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're going to be playing on a Thursday night, what is the protocol for someone who has been deemed concussed because he didn't go back to the game. So that means that the spotters basically said, yeah, he is not coming back to the game. He is concussed. Okay. So what is the protocol in the NHL for a person that has sustained a concussion? Is it minimum you're out a week and that's, that's hundred percent. No, it's top four D man. Need him to play.
0: What are you trying to get at? Are you trying to tell me? Are you trying to say that it it is what I'm
1: trying to get at is if, if you have sustained a concussion and the protocol in the NHL is okay, this person sustained a concussion throughout the season. He, he, he got a concussion on a Monday. He is not allowed to skate for at least one week. And then we will start testing him, riding the bike, see if you have headaches, see if you have any, any lingering effects. And if you don't, then you can move to the next phase and you're going to be back. But my question is, Rakagudis was clearly concussed. There's no question about it. He got hit in the face with the body check and then his head hit the ice and you could tell that he was he was out of it. So when he doesn't come back to the game, they deem him concussed. So why is he coming back 3 days later?
0: Uh because he said he's okay. You know, maybe they had him sign a waiver. I don't know. All I know is it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Is there any more to say? I just I just wonder what the actual We talked about this with Tua. NHL. Tua back in back and during the football season. Okay? What happens? I don't want to see Radko Gudis get hit again like that and be lying on the ice. Yeah, maybe he got up and was able to walk down the tunnel and everything. But Jesus Christ, like, this guy.
1: I'm surprised Jack came back after that hit. Like, you can't tell me. Yeah, but Jack jumped up, and there's a difference between being concussed like. You know, Rakogudis to where Jack took in an extremely stiff body check, but not every body check you're getting a concussion. Rakogudis went to the locker room and did not return. So what is he re- not returning from? They'll say they neck neck a injury. They'll say it was a neck. The old neck. I'm trying to find out what the NHL protocol is for a player that sustains a concussion. And, and I'll I'll be interested to know because, you know, you're looking at the safety of these players. You have to look at the safety of these players. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Raku Gudas right now, 100% wants to play. He may have headaches. Florida wants him to play.
0: Florida wants him to play. They're like, if he can walk, can he play? You know it. You know it. You know it. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's, they can't, they need him in the worst way. And you know what the worst part is? It's not like he's a skilled guy who can avoid the physical stuff. He has, that's his game. So he's, it's called, it's
1: called UFA at the end of the season. No, he's, he's it's called UFA. Um, they want him to play because he could be used goods at the end of the season. They need to get whatever they need to get out of this man. He needs to play. That's not right. It's the, yeah. Well, it's the NHL way. Got sent out there many times looking at, uh, I thought I was uh, uh, in, uh, you know, the 4th of July, how many frigging uh, fireworks were going off in my eyes, and my brain, but Hey, no, I'll take a little five minute break here and uh, get back out there, Riffs. Yeah. So
0: well, uh, at least at least they're starting to identify it as such, but it doesn't mean that they're going much, to. Very much. Yeah. At least they're not going to. Tr- they may not necessarily treat
1: it as such. What else is no, on your I, list that can I wait until tomorrow? I, I, th- I, I think the only thing is, is you know, as we move closer, you know, the the talk that we had before the Stanley Cup finals if you were to name three or four players in the stanley cup up to this point after three rounds who were your con smythe candidates now well I, I i have a new one i'm not saying now okay. I'm saying before the finals started you might so have what, to to, what happened what happened there to too bob roski what happened to Matthew Chuk? Well, they fall off because of
0: these two games. They're losing. Kachuk's taking penalties. Uh, Bob Robski is letting in goals. Um, So, and Marcheseau is, you know, taking his game to a different level. Two goals, one assist in the last game. Uh, If you go back and look, he's 2-1-1-0. So, it's not nine games in a row, but he has... um, he has two one one zero one 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 zero three zero zero two, and he had a bad start to the playoffs. Didn't have any points against Winnipeg, or any goals, I should say. Didn't have any goals in the first two games against Edmonton. Yep, had two in game three, zero in game four and five, and then three zero one 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 zero one one two. Yeah. And that's what it takes. To, uh, you know, the last two series, guy's been a major
1: contributor. What are your thoughts on Jack Eichel? Probably my number two right now. Like, is he a con Smythe? Well, actually, winner? like, I mean, he's played very well, and I've watched a lot of his games. Yeah, I, I you know, but what? But I don't, um, I don't, I don't look at Jack Eichel and say that he has literally been the best player in the Stanley Cup Finals or in the playoffs, I think he's been very good. Don't get me wrong. I think Chandler Stevenson's been very good. I think Mark Stone has been very good. I think Jonathan marchessault has been very good. I don't think Jack Eichel, when I think of the Vegas Golden Knights, that he is like literally the person that is completely driving the ship and is the sole reason well, why then, they're in this situation Well,
0: then there's then there's the obvious choice, and I'm gonna tell you who the winner is. If the Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup, Aiden Hill right now is nine and three with a two zero six and a nine three seven. It's pretty unbelievable. For well, a you saw has, the
1: save that he made. Absolutely, I've seen every Literally save. That one he's of the, made the last best few games. save is Incredible. by far the best saves that we've seen in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. Yeah. So, but, can you, but are you giving it to him? Has he done enough? Again, has he done enough? Because I don't think Aiden 100 Hill does not career come regular to my season
0: mind. games. Hundred career regular season games. His goals against average is two six seven, and nine ten save percentage. Okay, that was uh, that's his career. His his regular season this year, he played twenty seven games, so it's not like he was the guy expected to go into the into the playoffs. Sixteen seven and one. Okay, two fifty goals against average, and save percentage of nine fifteen. He's crushing that right now in the playoffs. His first trip through, he's nine and three. It's over. If they win, if they sweep, especially, he's got it.
1: Andy Leon a dry Side will be named uh, Con Smythe. Pardon? With 13 goals in 12 games. Can he be named? <laughs> can can you give it to fly. a guy who lost out in the second round? <laughs> fly a man. Has that ever happened?
0: <laughs> fly him in just for the ceremony.
1: I uh, will say this. That I, compl- I, I think the con Smythe is, for the very first time in a very long time, there is not a clear-cut winner. I think Matthew Kachuk can still be a guy. Even though he loses the Stanley Cup, loses in the finals, wow. I think that he could still be named. But he's got to really play well and give his team an opportunity and at least a chance to get back in this series. If he does that, I think Matthew Kuchok could be a con Smythe winner. Because I think even Jack Eichel's lose? played even very well. Lose. Like, I've been very... Even if they lose. Okay. Okay. Even if they lose. You, you, you look at the path that the Florida Panthers had to go through to get here. Boston, Toronto, Carolina. It's completely mind-boggling. Mind We'll have to wait and see these games. Big, big game three. Yeah, big, big game
0: three. And I don't think we got to three things on your list today, but that's good because it leaves us to start tomorrow's show with the rest of your list. And I think some of it has to do with some available players for trade, a couple signings, and maybe a Brian Gianta sighting. I don't want to make any promises on that. I feel like he's living under a rock.
1: No, he's just, he's angry. Well, we got to get
0: him on so we can talk about the golf match last week. It's
1: not just about last week. There's been
0: there's been a newer game. He's he's gotten crushed again. Yeah. What's the matter with him? Are his clubs too short for him?
1: <laughs> well, he gets angry. Hey, eh? he gets God, angry his club's on the too course. And... No, he gets angry, and he's a good player. He's a good player. But uh, I'm in his head. He gets angry. He doesn't have C2. I do that. I do that to people. Eh? I get in their head and then I crush them. And I'm, then I'm like just smoking them. And then, you know, l- listen, most people like to, you know, take a step back and kind of let the guy breathe a little bit. But I'm like, absolutely not. Step on his throat.
0: I will say this. I I will absolutely agree with the fact that you are probably one of the most frustrating people to compete against in anything, whether it's a discussion and a debate <laughs> Uh, just a simple difference of opinion on anything, uh, a game of hockey. Um, I couldn't imagine what you're like in poker and in golf. I bet you're the biggest piece of shit on the golf course. Oh
1: man. Listen, I mean, you excel. Me and him have a little something going at being an asshole. What? Hey, what? Brian Gianta is an asshole. Okay. This I guy like, is this guy when he, he loves to give it out just as much as well. He doesn't like to take it very much, but. And he, but he knows I don't golf,
0: but at least he has, you know, been courteous enough to invite me, but maybe he's invited me just to make himself look good because he knows. I Listen
1: at play. our course, bud, you can't wear uh, flip-flops or bare feet. That's no course for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
0: wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle. And at Craig Revey fifty-two at the instigator seventy-six. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.
1: Can I ask, it, can I ask you this question first on Just bounce around. Because I'm gonna forget it. So my wife gives me a list to go to the grocery store i don't do uh, do a lot of the grocery shopping she's uh that's kind of her department i'm so anyway uh she gives me this list uh i have the boys with me um i get to the grocery store and i forgot the list so i had to um call my wife and ask her to take a picture of it and send it to my phone She was not happy that I forgot the list because we literally talked about do not forget the list. She said it 40 times. I forgot the list. We got to the grocery store. She sent me the list. I go into the grocery store with my boys. I get all of the groceries. I come home. I put the bags on the counter. Start pulling out bags of chips. Got some jube jubes. Got this. She looks at me and she's like, what is this i'm like what (laughs) she's like why did you go to the grocery store i'm like i don't even know i can't remember why she's like i gave you a list i sent you the list you went into the grocery store and forgot all of the groceries that i sent you and came back with a a, a few bags of chips and some jube jubes and the boys are looking at (laughs) where i'm like laughing my head off because (laughs) I completely forgot when I walked into the grocery store, why I was there. And I don't know if this is concerning or <laughs> this, this is just my life moving forward, but man, this happens a lot. Like it's like, it happens far too much.
0: Oh my God.
1: So it's anyway. cause you
0: just, it's cause you just don't care. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. I it's do not- care. I just, <laughs> You know what? I bet if Krista only asked you once, you would have remembered the list, but the fact that she reminded you 40 times, you're just like, I've had it with this fucking list. (laughs) It
1: kind of seems like a little bit of a going conversation in the household right now, because my daughter, who's doing an internship in London, um, I, I had asked her one, uh, you know, a couple days, like this was, this is a couple of weeks back, but I had asked her, you know, how she was doing. I, I called her, how are you doing? How are you liking things? Everything. Okay. She's like, yeah, I love it. Told me all about it. And then three days later, I'm sitting with my son driving to the rink and I said, Hey, let's, let's call Ella. So I called Ella and, uh, my oldest, and I said, Hey, Ella, how's it going? Everything. Okay. How's Tell how's, me this is another How's the cob, intern? How's the internship cob, going? She's the like, repeater? there's like a pause on the phone. She talked was, about dad, this last night, dad. You just called me two days ago, and we just talked about this for 30 minutes. I said, really? Are you sure? She's like, dad, dad, you just asked me the <laughs> hey. exact same five questions two days ago. And I was just like, wow, I don't remember talking to you. Could you so,
0: imagine, could you imagine if your kids do this just, <laughs> just to cut the conversation short and get off the phone?
1: <laughs> Probably. Anyway, that's hey, where, it, that's where hey,
0: dad's at. calling. Hey, just tell him you talked to him about this yesterday. Hey, how's everything going? Dad, we, I told you all this yesterday. Oh, okay, great. Take okay. care.
1: But maybe yeah. others out there, uh, you know, have the same, same issues. I think I just forget a few things here and there. And, uh, oh, man. you know, I think that happens.